1 Timothy chapter 1. Let me get me a... I think I finally settled down a little bit. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, we're going to continue in our study of 1 Timothy. Uh, we've gotten all the way down into verse 2. So that's good. Uh, I forget what message number this is, but uh, things start picking up uh, as we as we get going here, and we've kind of settled we've kind of settled down here a little bit in verse two, just because I want us to to understand some things in in, in the light of of what we're what we're doing. So what we'll do is we'll start off in verse one. We'll read down through verse five, and then we'll get going. <clears throat> Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of a faith unfeigned. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word. As we take a look at this, this information, may we allow it to be final authority in all things. Um, that we trust in your word and your word alone. That uh, we simply by faith believe what your word says. Allow it to be the final authority uh, that we might be to the praise and honor and glory of your grace. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now, um, if you remember, what we've dealt with there in verse 2 is these three words, grace, mercy, and peace, right? Now, what we've talked about with this is, uh, and we've, we've kind of got stuck here on mercy, and there's a reason I want to get stuck here on mercy, because... A lot of times that that word is kind of overlooked. All right, we know that in Paul's epistles he says grace and peace unto you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In every epistle except First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus, he brings up this word mercy. And so that's one of the reasons why we wanted to be able to talk about this. And if you remember, we've gone back to Luke and we found out that mercy also meant what compassion, right? We looked at the story of the of the uh, the account, I should say, of the Good Samaritan, and we find out that that same word mercy was also translated in that same story as compassion, right? And those are those things that I want us to be able to remind ourselves of. Go back real quick to um, let's go back to Second Samuel chapter twelve, and kind of remind ourselves of what we dealt with the last time. So 2 Samuel chapter 12 and just kind of remind us again um, another one of those forms of that word mercy that we saw. Alright? So 2 Samuel chapter 12 and we're not going to go through the entire thing. Remember what's going on in, in, this, in this issue is you've got a rich man and a poor man. Uh, the rich man has all these um, flocks and herds and all this stuff. The poor man has one. And 
what happens is the, the rich man comes along, takes the one thing from this poor man and gives it away. And it's the poor man's lamb. And in verse 5, it says, And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. Now, of course, again, remind ourselves what he's doing is he's bringing up this issue with David and reminding him, you're the one who went in with Bathsheba. You're the one who brought her husband home from the war. And you're the one that sent him back to the front lines to get killed. And he's giving him a story of saying, here's, here's what's going on. And in verse 6, he says, And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Right. So that issue there of mercy, what I want us to think about is, is <clears throat> to have pity. Right. That's, that's the thing that I want us to be able to remind ourselves of. So this mercy here, what we've talked about is compassion. We've talked about pity. But more so, what did we talk about with mercy? Remember... What did we say grace was? Grace was all that God's done for you. <clears throat> right? Here is God, God is saying, here is something that I'm going to give you that you don't deserve. Right? And that's what we talked about what grace was. Well, what did we say that mercy was? Withholding I'm going to withhold something that you do deserve. Right? So one of the things that we talked about is do we deserve eternal life? The answer is no. And God says, I'm going to give you eternal life and you don't deserve it. Well, then we talked about wrath. Do we deserve God's wrath? The answer is yes. And God's saying, I'm going to not give that to you. But instead, I'm going to give you this. Right? And then we talked about, we've not really gotten into peace yet. But what I want us to think about, remind ourselves of, Go to Romans chapter 10 because I want us to remind ourselves of, of, of a couple things real quick. In fact, actually, Romans chapter 9. <clears throat> and I want us to remind ourselves of something because <clears throat> we're going to put a couple things here together that I think answers a whole bunch of misconceptions. All right. <clears throat> um, one of the things that we've talked about before is 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 some of this stuff um, really showing mercy notice here in Romans chapter 9 we'll, we'll just we'll just look at verse 22 notice here in Romans chapter 9 verse 22 what if God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known endured with much what's that next word long suffering all right so what I want you to think about is this word long-suffering. So part of, part of that word, root word is what? Suffer. Then you got God is currently suffering, and how long is He suffering is? He's suffering long. Right? So when you think about that word long-suffering, it means to suffer for a long period of time. So what God's doing, and notice it says... What if God willing to show His wrath and to make His power known? 
endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. So what I want us to think about is this issue of long suffering. God's going to show instead of His wrath and making His power known with that, what's He do instead? Notice. And that He might make known the riches of His glory on the vessels of mercy, which He had afore prepared unto glory, even us whom He hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. What I want us to be able to see is this issue of mercy and this issue of long-suffering go together. Because what God's doing, as He says there, what if God, willing to show His wrath and to make His power known, long-suffered? When you think about when you think about what's going on, <clears throat> you know, growing up, if I did something wrong and I didn't get caught, I thought I got away with it. Right? Now, what's what's interesting is <clears throat> when when we don't when we don't get punished for doing something right after we've done it. We kind of forget about it and then we move on and we do something else and we do something else and we're like, we're never going to get caught, right? How many times have you done that? Driving up and down the road, going faster than the speed limit, you don't get caught, you're like, well, I, I can do it again. I want to do it again. I didn't get caught, didn't see a cop, I'm not going to get caught, all that stuff. But if you're instantly penalized, you're going to not do that for a little period of time then you'll start going a little bit faster and all that. That's that's what's going on, right? God is long-suffering, and what we've, what the world has come to the point of is we don't see the automatic me getting knocked down for sin because God's doing something today, part of that long-suffering. And that's showing mercy. Now, <clears throat> let's keep on going. Chapter, thir- uh, chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. Because <clears throat> I want us to be able to see some things and put some stuff together because I think this is a really important topic for us to be able to understand in light of something else. Notice here, Romans chapter 11. Um, let's start off in verse verse 30. <clears throat> All right? Romans chapter 11, verse 30. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained what? Mercy through their unbelief. Now, what God is doing today through the unbelief of the nation of Israel, God is extending mercy to us today. That means He's withholding something. Not just wrath, but other things as well. Notice, verse 31. Even so we have these also... Now not believe that through your mercy they may obtain they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. What God's doing today is he is showing mercy to all. Right? So what he's doing to all is he is withholding something that we deserve. And part of that is that long-suffering 
that we see. Back up real quick. <clears throat> and we, we kind of got into this the last time and we didn't get to finish it up. But back up to chapter 11, verse 11. And we'll see this. <clears throat> I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them. Now, what's going on is God has in Romans chapter 3 declared all under sin. Romans 11 tells us the reason why is that he might have mercy upon all. Right? That's what we got here. Notice in verse 15. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world. Now, that's the, that's the phrase that I want us to look at today. The casting away of them be the reconciling of the world. What shall, be, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? I want us to look at that issue of the reconciling of the world. What is it that God's doing today that He's done differently prior to is did He work with all prior to Paul's information? No, all right? We know that he went through the nation of Israel. He was dealing with them, and he dealt with the Gentiles through the nation of Israel. And we find out that there's something different that God's doing today, and part of that is this issue of reconciling the world unto himself. Now, I want us to get a couple things real quick. <clears throat> Go get 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, this is, this is a big topic that shouldn't be a topic at all, honestly. Um, and I want, us to, I want us to see this, and we'll, we'll, we'll match it up with a couple other things as well. And uh, then we'll, we'll, we'll connect it up with uh, 1 Timothy again. Notice here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want us to notice what's going on. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll start off in verse 14. And I really think this issue of mercy, and we'll see this here momentarily, hopefully, if my mind allows me to, to make the connections that I want. Notice in verse 14, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all, we're all dead. So, when is it that you come to a point where you find out that Christ died for all? is through Paul's epistles, right? So there's this dispensational issue that's going on. Notice. And that he died for all that that they which should that, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ and hath given, uh, given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now let's pause there for a second. <clears throat> what we find out here is what? 
If we're in Christ, we're a new creature. Old things are passed away. And if we're in Christ, then what's happened is God has reconciled us to Himself, right? Now, there's something else that's going on with this. What's it mean to be reconciled? To be made right. To be brought back into relationship, right? Now, here's what's interesting. As we go through here, I want us to be able to see what these what this what this is really about. Notice in verse 19, there is a there is a battle that that shouldn't be a battle because of verse 19. Verse 19, notice, says to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Now, when is it that we last saw that phrase reconciling the world? Back in Romans 11, right? Where God's doing what? Having mercy upon all through His long-suffering. What is it that mercy is? Not giving you something, holding something back that you do deserve. Right? So notice. <clears throat> to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, question. Do you all see the word forgiveness in verse 19? So, we're all clear. Verse 19, the word forgiveness does not exist. Alright. What is it that God's not doing? Not imputing their trespasses. What is mercy? Not giving you something you deserve. So here's the issue. So you come along to verse 19, and there are some folks that teach that everybody's forgiven already. Even unsaved people. That's not what that verse says. What that verse says is God is not imputing, that's mercy, not imputing your trespasses unto you. What's that mean? One day he's going to no longer long suffer and he's no longer going to withhold that and then what's going to happen is that will be imputed to them. We talked about it earlier. Great white throne judgment. What are they going to be judged on? Their works. So what God's... And this is a dispensational issue. What's going on? This verse 19, the reconciling of the world unto himself, that reconciling is a dispensational issue. What God is doing today through mercy is saying, I am withholding my wrath and everything against your sins. I'm withholding that. I'm not putting it on you right now today. I am by mercy withholding because of my long suffering, I'm going to show mercy to all people without distinction. The all people would be who? The world. What's he doing to the world? He's not imputing their trespasses. If he's not imputing, that means he's showing mercy. What's he, what's he withholding? The imputation of your sins. The, the you, you do something and you get struck down. 
One of these days, that's not going to be true. One of these days, out in the ages to come, what's going to take place is when somebody does something wrong, you drop them into the hole in front of everybody, and they'll see it. Instant judgment. That's going to take place one day. That's not taking place today. That's this. And we'll see this, hopefully. Hopefully that makes sense as we go through here. Notice, <clears throat> what happens is there's, there's this teaching that says not imputing equals forgiveness. That's not there. Not imputing is saying, I'm not going to put it to your account. I'm going to withhold it by mercy. Go back over real quick to Romans. We kind of talked about it a little bit before. Romans chapter 4. <coughs> Romans chapter 4. <coughs> Romans chapter 4, verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father is pertaining the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. That's that issue of imputation, being counted unto him for righteousness. God imputed his righteousness to Abraham. How? Not by him doing something, but by him believing what God's Word says. And we see this a little bit later on. Um, <clears throat> now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. There you see that, that, that issue of imputation, the, the, the counting there. Verse 7, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. One of the things that we know that we have because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is we have complete and total forgiveness. We do. As members of the church, the body of Christ, we have that. Ephesians 4 tells us that. Colossians 2 tells us that. That that's something that we have. Alright? Verse 9. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Now, <clears throat> what God's doing today for all mankind is He's saying... I'm going to declare all under sin that I might have mercy upon all by withholding the imputation of their sins. I'm not going to count it against you. One day He will. Unless you trust what Christ did. At the moment that you trust what Christ did, that moment, what happens is you get eternal life, you have peace with God, and you no longer have that wrath before you. And since He's not imputing his, your sins, what's He do instead is He imputes His righteousness, which is exactly what we see here 
with Abraham. Verse 10, How was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, the seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that what? Believe. Though they be not circumcised, that, here's the purpose, righteousness might be imputed unto them also. I want you to think about what's going on. God is... not imputing your trespasses unto you, that's mercy. God imputing His righteousness to you is grace. Not imputing is withholding, imputing, grace. And when you... uh... But even the unbelief are getting not imputing righteousness. Exactly. But unbelievers receive imputing righteousness. Absolutely. Unbelievers, God is showing mercy on on all by him not imputing their sin to them. He's showing them mercy. He's long suffering. We'll see this again. Imputing his righteousness, imputing forgiveness of sins, imputing his life to you is for those who are saved. That's grace. He's showing mercy to all, but as we said before, in order for you to have that, he first does this. Now, Real quick, go over to 1 Timothy and we'll put something else together here. Because this is this is an interesting thing, I think. 1 Timothy chapter 1. First <coughs> Timothy chapter 1. Let's uh Let's start off. Let's start off in verse nine because I want us to see something that's really interesting here. Um, because Paul's going to lay out a lot of sin in some verses here, and the issue that we're going to find out is there's something that's going on um, that we need to make sure that we pay attention to. Notice in verse nine, <clears throat> knowing this. That the law is not made for the for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and for and there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. What's the law do? We talked about it before. Law says this is what sin is. Stop doing it. Well, you can't. So God says, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die for those sins and I'm going to now not impute that to you. And if you trust in what Christ did, then I'm going to impute something else to you. All right? Now, when we look at those things, 
what Paul's pointing out there, contrary to the teaching that's out there, that's incorrect out there for 2 Corinthians chapter 5, <clears throat> if sin was not an issue, why would Paul bring it up there? Why would he bring it up in Romans 3? Because what people, what people say and what people are teaching with 2 Corinthians 5 is that God's already forgiven everybody of their sins, whether you're saved or not. And He's not going to withhold that. He's not going to, he's not going to ever count that against you again. But that creates a problem. Because one, that's not what the verse says. Two, what He's doing today is He's showing mercy saying I'm not going to impute your sin to you one day I'm going to have to so if you said not imputing means forgiveness then he's forgiven everybody then how's he going to be able to punish you one day if he's already forgiven you he can't now another thing with that and I've thought about this this past week and just think about this one day, there's going to be a whole bunch of people out here in hell. And so this teaching says this group of people that's in hell here have their sins forgiven, but everybody else doesn't. How's that just? It's not. In order for God to be just and be able to do that, He would have to violate His glory and His attributes. And He won't. So there's a whole bunch of stuff wrong with that. <clears throat> but what I want us to think about is, notice this real quick. Verse 11. According to the glorious Gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to who? My trust. And I thank, God, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained what? Mercy. Why? Because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. What is it? If you look at this, who is before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, what, what God does, what Christ does is He says, I'm first going to not impute that to you. Notice. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Notice, this is a, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. So he obtains mercy, and Paul says, I am what? Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now, the issue with that is a lot of people will say, well, he's the chief of sinners means which he's the worst sinner ever. Well, that's not true. If you think of a chief, what do you think of a chief? Top person, main person, Right? What's he, what's he bringing up this issue of him being chief? Notice in verse 16. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy 
So God's withholding something that Paul deserved, which would be the wrath and all that. That in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all what? Long suffering. So what, what we see there is He's shown mercy as a what? To show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should what? Hereafter believe on Him to eternal life. He's saying, I was a, I was a blasphemer and persecutor and injurious, but I found mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. And God's saying, I'm not going to hold that against you, but instead what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that out of the way once He believed. And He's going to say, I'm going to take this out and I'm going to give you eternal life. And He's saying, I'm going to show you Paul to be a pattern to them which should hereafter believe. What did He do? Mercy. Then what? Grace. Now the interesting thing is those both took place at the same time. But we find out about that long-suffering. Real quick, go over to... uh, Um, get uh, get Second Peter chapter three. So there's there's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going on with with that Second Corinthians chapter five stuff. First of all, what's what's not understood is there's four different types of reconciliation, um, none of which mean forgiveness of sins but you know that's neither here nor there but I want us to see what's what that not imputing is is mercy he's withholding the imputation of your sins so that you can trust in what he's doing and then he's going to give you eternal life notice this real quick second Peter chapter 3 um, <clears throat> Verse 14. One of the things that that Peter's having to deal with is what? Hey, kingdom's not come yet. Why? It's a good question. Well, Peter answers it. Notice in verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, talking about the new heaven and new earth in verse 13, um, be diligent that ye may be found uh, found of him in peace without spot and blameless, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Now, what's, what's going on? Peter's saying, you all have to understand long-suffering. And if you want to find out about long-suffering, who do you go talk to? You go talk to Paul. He's saying... <clears throat> An account that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. We've not gotten the kingdom yet, but that's because God's long-suffering. You're not, but He is. 
And that's what he's reminding them. Verse 16, As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures under their own destruction. What's he saying? If you want to find out about long suffering, you've got to go read Paul's epistles. Understand what he's talking about. Understand what's going on because he's the one that's speaking about these things. What things? The long suffering of the Lord. Now, what's interesting is, is in order for him to suffer long, he's showing mercy. by not imputing trespasses unto who? The entire world. Now, go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Notice there, verse 16. Paul brings these things together he says, Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now, there's some other things that we'll get into once we get in there, but what I want us to be able to see is Paul's bringing up that issue of what? Long suffering and mercy. And he's saying, Here's what happened. Did he deserve? Did he deserve what he would have gotten had he not been saved? The answer is yes. Right? He was a blasphemer and persecutor and injurious. And what God says is what? I'm not going to hold that on your account anymore. In fact, once you believe, I'm going to do away with that on your account. Now, go real quick to Ephesians. Get a couple things here real quick. Ephesians chapter 4, and go ahead and get Colossians chapter 2. Also, go get Romans chapter 6. So you got three, you got you got three hands, right? She can do that. Ephesians 4, Colossians 2, and Romans 6. Because I want you to I want you to put these things together in our minds. <clears throat> so then if we hear or see something out of the ordinary, then when we, we listen to it, we just kind of think, okay, that's not that's not good stuff. Notice here <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4. We'll just read a couple verses here. Verse 32. Ephesians 4.32, Colossians chapter 2, and Romans chapter 6. Ephesians 4.32 And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath, past tense, forgiven you. Who's Paul talking to? He's talking to the church at Ephesus. And by extension, you and I, those are saved members of the church of the body of Christ. What's he say about those saved members of the church of the body of Christ? They are what? Forgiven. Colossians chapter 2. 
<clears throat> I want you to see this, and I want us to connect this to Romans chapter 6. And I know we're getting low on time, but let's do this real quick. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. In whom, talking about Christ, also you are, you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Question, who's he talking to? Saved members of the church at Colossae, and by extension, you and I today, saved members of the church of the body of Christ. <clears throat> we are what? Circumcised with circumcision made without hands. Verse 12. Buried with Him in baptism. Does that remind you of a verse? Maybe Romans 6? <laughs> Alright? Keep that in mind. Wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised Him from the dead. Does that remind you of Romans chapter 6? Hopefully it does. And you, being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses. What's going on is God has what? You were dead in your, in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, and what's happened is He's quickened you and forgiven you all trespasses, right? That's what the verse says. So go back over to Romans chapter 6. Question. <clears throat> According to that verse, if you have forgiveness of sins, that means you have what? Circumcision of your, of, without hands. That means you're buried with Him by baptism. If you have forgiveness of sins. So, if unsaved people are already forgiven, that means they already have that baptism. They have eternal life. And guess what? They don't. That's the problem with that teaching. Notice in Romans chapter 6, we'll finish up here. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? <clears throat> know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? That's Colossians 2. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Do you know what happens? If we go back over to Colossians 2, and we find out that when we were quickened, we were forgiven of all trespasses, then we have that circumcision that takes place and the baptism that takes place. All that stuff is true for people that have their sins forgiven. What happens is we should all walk in what? Newness of life. But you've got a group of people over here who's supposedly been forgiven and is in hell. But they have the opportunity to walk in newness of life if they have forgiveness. There's a problem with that. And it's misunderstanding, I think, mercy. <clears throat> because one of the things that first came out with that issue of everybody's forgiven is what? Well, then God can't hold it against them later on because He's already forgiven them. Well, you have a problem there. But if He's not imputing it now, and later on He will impute it, that doesn't mess with His glory, if you will. Who He is. So, this issue 
this issue that we find ourselves, I think I think mercy is the answer to it. Understanding mercy. And that's why I wanted to spend two or three weeks talking about what mercy is because mercy is what? Withholding something that you deserve. We don't we don't deserve our, our sins not being imputed. Unsaved people, I should say. They don't deserve that, but they're getting it anyway. And one of these days, this time of long-suffering, this dispensation that includes mercy, will no longer be long-suffering and no longer will show mercy. And what's going to happen is, is He will then impute their sins to them. And that takes care of them. But what he's doing today is he's showing forth all along suffering and mercy that he might be able to have grace that we might be able to have peace. Now, hopefully that makes sense outside my COVID brain. Um, but I, wanted us, I want us to be able to see that. Because I, I really do believe that that issue of mercy takes care of that bad doctrine. That everybody's forgiven. <clears throat> and uh, hopefully hopefully we'll, we'll think about that and kind of go through that anytime we see or hear stuff about that. Alright, so. <clears throat> we'll stop there. We'll pick up with peace next time. Um, but I wanted to make sure that we saw saw this and hopefully the verses kind of go together. In my mind, it makes a lot of sense, but like I said, as it comes out, I don't know if it's coming out for you all. But the thing I want us to remind ourselves <clears throat> is mercy is a result of an action to benefit somebody else. It's an inner man issue. And mercy is showing forth all long suffering. Mercy is withholding something bad that you do deserve. And when we talk about that, one of the things we mentioned is Paul brings it up to Timothy, I believe, in the context here, so that he would have mercy on those folks that do teach false doctrines. And we'll see that as we go through. Um, and we talked about that a little bit, how, how Paul's bringing that up, not just for you, Timothy, but to be able to show mercy to those, to be able to, to teach them the right way so that he can fix, fix their bad doctrines. All right? <clears throat> All right. We'll stop there.